What's up, guys? My name is Raul Nazario. I'm co-host of the Sharpest Shell podcast, and I'm here with Kelly Bradley. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing? She's also a co-host, maybe. Yes, yes. I'm. I'm your co-host extraordinaire, <laughs> extraordinaire because you know, you know, I'm older. But anyway, it's all good. How are you doing today, Raul? I'm doing okay. Um, actually, you know what? More than okay. Um, you know that. I, I, I love it when, um, you know, I get, I get to wake up and, and be with the, be with the fam. Um, you know, the, normally I've been kind of getting my daughter up for, for school and everything like that kind of in the morning. And today my, my wife let me kind of sleep in a little bit, already had breakfast done and, and, and coffee all set up. So, you know, the, those types of touches, man, they, they really set up uh, for a good day. So here's hoping, here's hoping nothing else kind of messes that up. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing because, um, I woke up at my normal 5am and, and got ready. And then I woke Mike up at 10 minutes to six and said, are you coming swimming with me? Because I've been swimming in the morning. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not even out of bed yet. And you're asking me to swim. <laughs> like I'm he's and still so got crust in his eyes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny. He just looked so sad and pathetic this morning. He's like, you want me to what? And he knows when I mean, we we've made this commitment that we're going to swim in the mornings and we're going to walk in the afternoons. And I'm up to 25 minutes, which is really cool considering, you know, recovering from the injury and, um, so I'm, it's really exciting, but just, you know, you had this wonderful, relaxing morning and I'm like, get out of bed, we gotta go swim. <laughs> I, I mean, look, it, it, it was great. I mean, it, and it couldn't have come at a better time. I had difficulty falling asleep last night. So, um, being able to sleep in, a, a bit and wake up to like fresh brewed coffee and breakfast already set up and my, my daughter's already ready to, to go to school. Like, Man, that was uh, that was pretty fantastic. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I really I really enjoyed that. Um, but you're a fortunate man, and your wife deserves flowers. <laughs> yes, she does. She deserves much more than just flowers. So yes, she does. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Ke- uh, Kelly, for all those who don't know, like you said, your injury. What happened? Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna make me say this out loud, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, um, uh, makes so- for good television. So, um, my family growing up called me grace and it wasn't because I'm graceful. It's because I'm as clumsy as a hippopotamus out of water. (laughs) It's really not funny. Wait, are Um, they clumsy? Are hippos coming out of water clumsy? On water, they're ponderous and slow. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, so I'm going out to get my neighbor's mail because they had gone out of town and I've got mail in one hand, got my phone in the other and they have a handicap access ramp right next to where their mailbox is. And I was wearing Crocs, mistake number two. Um, it was dark. It was later at night. And um, coming back, phone in one hand, mail in the other, Crocs on my feet. And I'm thinking I'm hitting that handicap ramp. And instead, I hit the curb. The other foot was already coming up off the ground, fell and shattered my shoulder. Um, I didn't just break it. I I did it. It's go big or go home with this chick, right? It, you don't want to do anything that way. <laughs> Look, if you're going to do something, you do it right, right? Do it right. So, um, you know, I broke the knob off the end of my humerus bone, which disconnected my bicep muscles. So the arm was just hanging there like meat. And then there was also a horizontal crack. So 
six pins, a plate, a relocated bicep muscle, a severed and reattached rotator cuff muscle later, and I'm still in PT and um, loving every minute of it because my PT, my physical therapist is awesome, but um, decided to start swimming and and try and push this thing along a little bit because uh, I'm tired of not doing things. <laughs> Do you know how long? So did they give you a schedule? Like how, how long are you going to be doing PT and whatnot for? The surgeon told me you're going to be back to, 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 to normal in no time. It's all good, right? Oh, no time's relative, isn't it? (laughs) Well, I surprised him because the first question out of my mouth after he told me I needed surgery to fix all of this, because I was just like, you know, just rub dirt on it. It's fine. Um, He said to me, literally, um, you need surgery. Um, You'll be, you'll be fine. It's, it's, you'll be, you'll be good in no time. And I'm like, okay, when can I start physical therapy? And he's like, what? Nobody ever asked that question. And I'm like, I need to know when I can go start doing things again. And um, so when I went back for my one month, I'm like, okay, so this is still happening and this is still happening. And I still feel this and that and the other thing, and this is still swollen and what's going on with this. And he's like, Kelly, it's going to take six months to a year before you have full use of your arm back. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before surgery? And he, I kid you not, he looked me in the face and said, because you needed surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Six months to a year. So no golf, no bike riding. Mike won't let me get on a bike. You know, I'm not even allowed to go get the mail anymore. So, well, you're um, going to, you're going to have to brush up on your call of duty and halo skills. then, if you want (laughs) to, no, 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 I'm tired of being stuck in the house. I'm tired of sitting in front of this computer. Not that I don't love my job, but, um, I want to go, I want to play golf. I want to play ball. I want to learn to play pickleball. I want to do stuff. I want to do, you know, pandemic is we're, we're on the tail end of this and I want to do stuff. All right. Pickleball. I know I've heard of this. I'm trying to visualize it. I'm, I'm missing it. Wait, what's the visual? It's, on pickleball? it's kind of like tennis with hard paddles and a wiffle ball. Oh, okay. Isn't that just wiffle ball? You would think, but it's called pickleball <laughs> and it's named after somebody's right. dog whose name was pickle because he would chase the balls. I don't know. It's, stupid it's that, old people that that's not really oh come on stop, stop labeling your your mahjong group really appreciates you <laughs> i don't play mahjong anymore no I hurt my what? shoulder well wait hold I, on because you hurt well, your shoulder how does that even make you sense gotta remember when i broke my shoulder it was almost three weeks before i could have the surgery and so mm-hmm. i couldn't drive to get there mike was still playing lacrosse i couldn't drive to get there i couldn't walk to get there so i stopped playing and um then it just, I, you know, I just never went back to it. So. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew that like you enjoyed playing Mahjong. It's fun. I remember, it, it I remember fun. talking to you about it. You were excited. You were all hyped up. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun and it was socializing and I'd rather play golf. <laughs> yeah. Well, no lie. I would rather play golf too. I, I actually need to pick up golf. I, I need to start doing that. It's fun. Um, it's I, I mean, on, on my end, so again, I, great morning. Um, you know, the weekend was uh, <laughs> interesting, a whole lot of staying at home. But my mom caught COVID, man. So, um, yeah, we're, we're – uh, she's doing okay, though. She – you know, it, she caught it early. She caught it actually before she tested positive for it. And the doctor knew exactly what it was, right? Like at this point, there uh, no regular doctor out there, no general practitioner is going to is gonna look at those symptoms and be like, mm, I don't know what that is. 
Oh, you'd be surprised. There are still some doctors who. Hey, I have faith. I have faith in humanity. Okay, <laughs> it's it's been long enough. I know that they. I know they know what they're doing. So they, you know, they're they're like, look, I think it's too early for for me to call COVID. It's not showing up positive, um, but I need you to take X, Y, and Z, right? And so she she started up on that regimen, and she told me immediately she started feeling better. And immediately she started getting her energy back and um, she, she's been pretty good ever since. I'm still kind of a little afraid that she's going to give it to my dad because, um, you know, my, my dad has uh, been a smoker for decades. Uh, he's got, um, he's diabetic. Um, so, you know, we, we hear COVID doesn't treat those folks very kindly. Um, no, it doesn't. So, not even a little bit. So, um, but mom's masking up at home and, and everything <laughs> to, to keep dad safe. Um, a, fu- a funny story with that. to bring you any more fruit? No. <laughs> so, so that, I don't know what got into him, right? Like day one that he told me he's got COVID, uh, that the, that mom's got COVID, coughing all over the house, spreading all her COVID germs all over the place. He's like, I brought you mangoes. I'm in your front door. Nah, (laughs) please go home. Please go home. I do. I love you. I love you so much. Yesterday, I would have taken your mangoes. Today, no mangoes for me, please. Thank you. (laughs) No mango. No. uh, What what is it? No, you cannot have mango. (laughs) (laughs) No, you cannot have mango. No, you cannot have mango. Um, and so, for those of you who are this young, that's an old Saturday Night Live skit, Mango. Look it up. It's hysterical. Yeah. So, um, guys, I, 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 I know it doesn't necessarily sound like it, but you're listening to the Sharpest Shell podcast. This is <laughs> a digital marketing and, and business podcast um, focused on today's trends on helping you grow your business. Um Kelly, Kelly, I don't have any animations just yet, so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get some animations in here with some like whooshes and and jingles and what have you. Um, really, really so draw some make folks. Me break in. out the magic wand, right? Yeah, so that, that'll can... be our that'll be our transitions <laughs> and whatnot. So, okay. um, let, let's get let's go ahead and get into to some of the news here. Um, I know we wanted to pull up some, uh, some of the marketing trends in, uh, 2022. So let's go ahead and start there. Um, let's see if this thing actually works. Nope. Didn't work right. There we go. Let's move it one more. There we go. There we go. All right. So, uh, digital marketing Institute came out with a list in March of, you know, marketing trends to kind of be on the lookout for in 2022. And one of the big things that they talked about was the metaverse. And for those of you, um, who aren't aware, uh, it's an, <laughs> good it's luck an, not being aware of the metaverse <laughs> today. It's, it's a network of virtual worlds in 3d that connects people through VR, virtual reality and AR augmented reality, similar to Minecraft. And I had a child that played Minecraft, Pokemon, Roblox and Fortnite. And I don't other like the way you said like Pokemon. But Pokemon, they're wonderful. Pokemon's great. No, the um, way the way you said it, so condescending. I don't, I don't appreciate that. Um, I can't find. Okay, so love, wait. Look, oh, this is here. Look, right Pikachu here. is is like lived at my house for I can't tell you how long because my daughter was into um, Pokemon before Pokemon was fun and only boys played it and people looked at her like she was a weirdo. She loves. She still loves Pokemon. Anyway, Pokemon has my respect. My respect to Pokemon. No, so number one anyway. IP on the planet. Just to let you know. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Raul has like a whole wall full of collector's cards from Pokemon. Um, 
So anyway, these VR games appealed to a very young demographic. So the metaverse um, is new to marketing, but they've been uh, there've been campaigns designed as an immersive experience in places like Roblox, for example, that hosted a Gucci Garden. Were you aware of this role? Hosting Gucci a Gucci Garden. Uh, please tell me yeah. it was a, the brand Gucci, and that's yes, not like the brand. Just Gucci, what kids the are brand, saying these right? days. Yeah. Yes. So visitors could virtually try on. I'm sorry, our producers like falling on the floor. Um, <laughs> Visitors could virtually try on and buy digital Gucci branded fashions for their avatars. And this served to introduce a whole bunch of younger generations to likely customers to the Gucci brand. So Digital Marketing Institute posited that 65 million people would be likely to use VR and 110 million will be using AR by 2023. They see this as a very large pool of potential customers to have as a marketing target. And these new young VR AV savvy customers have been dubbed Generation Alpha. How about that? Okay, so <laughs> I don't think so. There, there's a miss for me there. Um, there's a miss for me there in, in the sense that I wouldn't consider the people who are going to be hopping into VR uh, its own like generation. And he, here's why I say it that way. There's been no, so you guys see probably in the background, it's a little blurred, but that's, that's my Oculus Quest 2 um, because I'll let Metaverse because spy Oculus on me, Quest. right? Yeah. Uh, so that's my Oculus Quest 2. There has been nobody, zero people that I have put that headset on and have gone, I don't get it. Literally nobody. And the Oculus Quest 2 is one of the first uh, VR headsets to actually bring VR to the masses. Right. And right. so, like, like so, so that you're aware, my dad wants to buy one. Right. My, my dad, we're, we're playing, we're playing games on there. We're playing pistol whip and, and beat saber and all these other games. And my dad was blown away, um, by what, what was going on there. Right. So I saying that there's a whole generation, uh, or that this is a generational thing is probably a miss. Um, they've always well, had kind of like, at- but when you look at Roblox and Minecraft, they're one of the first entry points into VR and AR for younger children. I mean, my kid's been playing Roblox since, you know, he's 20 now. He's been playing Roblox since he was like, I don't know, well, 10. Well, that, that's true, but that's that's also not a new concept. It's basically Legos, no, it's, right? No, it, you're right. You're right. But it's a digital format that and it's and it's, you know, free unless you're buying, you know, in-game stuff right legos i don't know whether you look but my kid my my daughter was like a lego head and those things are expensive and not everybody has that so but roblox pokemon minecraft those are things that they can play for free that are are relatively safe if especially if you turn off the chat function because there was some real weirdos creeping on both my kids in that particular (laughs) regard um but it's it's an entry point to the marketplace so what they're looking to do is monetize that entry point into the marketplace with with generation alpha they're looking at coming in in this first go round of monetization so that's kind of what they're looking at um you know what's interesting too is that vr recommends i want to say for you to be 11 years old before you start actually using it like actually vr itself as as a technology I'm not sure how safe it is for children under mm-hmm. under a, a specific no. age, right? Um, even if it is like visually safe, like the amount of stimulation that that provides is probably not 
Um, so like, I, I just, I don't see how, how that makes the, that crossroads makes a, a, a ton of sense for them. Um, uh, now I do understand it from an NFT standpoint. Now, okay, I just said the dirty word, right? Um, so uh, NFT for anybody who doesn't know, non fungible tokens. The, the this is basically a receipt of a digital good, um, stating that you own a specific digital good. Um, video games for the longest times have had stuff called uh, microtransactions, where you can go in and purchase in-game items. Um, and the uh, entire idea of applying NFTs to video games um, is that you then own physically and can sell uh, physically, I guess physically, digitally, right? Um, uh, specific items that you can then sell and trade and the values of that type of stuff can go up. Now, I can see them talking about NFTs that way, where they're targeting the people with Roblox, the people from Fortnite, the the those folks, because those folks tend to buy digital items quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I just don't necessarily see it in the context specifically of the metaverse. Well, again, they're looking for ways to to put advertising in those platforms because they feel that it's a it's a really good way to get exposure to people that they otherwise wouldn't get to. Um, and kids uh, want to be able to buy in real life what it is that they're seeing in some of these video games. So if Gucci yeah. is something that they're seeing, and I'll be the first one to tell you, my kids never had name brands growing up because you know they're wearing it for three months and then you have to donate it because they grow out of it. Um, and my I kids get, were ten years apart. So I mean, I get frustrated. I get frustrated that we we're buying Nikes to to my to my four year old. Right. Every, every time I look down, I cuss, and they cost the yeah. same as regular Nikes, which is yeah. really frustrating. No <laughs> but but you can't you can't give your kids cheap shoes because it it messes up their feet. But um, so the bottom line is is that they're gonna they're they're setting that expectation for people to, hey, mom, I want a Gucci t-shirt or I want a Gucci bag. And then mom's got to be the bad guy and say, sorry, you you can't have that. We'll go to Target and I'll buy you anything you want, but no, we're not going to get you Gucci. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hopefully they'll bring in some brands that um, if, if they're going to do this and, and they hear consumers, they'll bring in brands that are going to be more realistic for your typical consumer to be able to purchase in real life, you know, so expose them to those brands that actually have a snowball's chance in in actual acquisition on the outside. Yeah, I I mean, advertising and product placement is not new in video games. Um, however, um, it's definitely going to be on the rise. Um, but you think about it, this goes beyond project product placement. This is literally, hey, we're having, you know, come to the Gucci store and you can try on anything you want and you can buy it with your Roblox money or your Minecraft money or whatever. And it makes it possible inside the game. So it's beyond just product placement where you would see, you know, like a a Chick-fil-A inside of your game, you know, and you could go in and get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. This is completely to me, this is a little bit this goes beyond that. It, it does. It, it does go beyond that, and that, that's a good point. Um, 
you know, being able to try everything on and take a look at it in a digital environment. I mean, uh, I can't wait till we start actually getting like the smart mirrors um, in in general public hands. I know some exist actually, um, where you could actually see what you're trying to purchase on you. Um, so that you get, you return less stuff to Amazon. You know, interestingly enough, I was reading an article <laughs> yesterday that talked about smart closets where you scan all of your clothing before you put it in your closet and you could literally stand in front of the mirror and just poke on different things and it would put it on you so you could see what it looked like in that day based on your body measurements that day. So for people that whose oh, weight fluctuates, so cool. you know, it's, it's, it actually is, it's kind of cool. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. How hard is it to go try on clothes? It <laughs> uh, depends on whether or not you still fit in it after COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> hence the swimming uh, and the walking. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, for me, it's a little difficult right now. <laughs> no, no lie. Um, so, so back to back to the trend. And this kind of strays off of the trend a little bit, um, but it also talks a little bit about meta. So, Meta, um, an article in social media today, has revealed that Meta is looking to improve its monetization potential by launching some subscriber-only features um, as part of the metaverse, in addition to all of this monetization with brands and stuff that's appearing actually in the metaverse. The, so they're launching something called subscriber chats. And subscriber chats allow creators to host exclusive chat sessions with up to 30 people at a time which then attempts to provide a more intimate and enclosed space to help build that community. It also helps to build subscriber base for creators um, by posting reels and posts for those subscribers only. Meta is forging this path so that you can, they can essentially woo uh, creators away from TikTok and YouTube, allowing for better connections to the creator's audience, because we all know that that's what it's about. It's about making those connections um, and, and becoming known uh, and, and gaining that following. So it's also a tool to advance monetization potential for those creators, which is actually kind of interesting. That's the real draw to pull them away from TikTok and YouTube. And according to Meta on uh, July 14th of 2022, they will not be taking fees on subscription through the end of 2024. So how do you feel about that, that role? That, that's incredible. Um, but so is this on Facebook specifically? Yes I, yes. I picked that up on the Facebook news site or the meta news site. Okay. So here. Okay. So first and foremost, fantastic, right? When you look at YouTube and you look at Twitch and, and things like that, they're, you know, both platforms take a cut of, um, mm -hmm your subscriber base. Like that's a way for them to monetize. It makes sense. They, they give you a percentage. I, I don't know what the cuts are, um, but they, they give you a percentage. And it's funny that they don't even mention Twitch here. Um, a no. lot of these functions come from Twitch specifically. And I just, I find it so funny that Twitch is so non-threatening to, to these platforms that they don't even mention them in, in talking about these things. And they're owned by Amazon. Amazon is just completely disregarded Twitch, uh, which I think is very unfortunate. Um, however, Facebook is not a content creator platform. No, and but if you remember our last week's article on Instagram giving preference 
to creator, to Instagram creator-based content rather than creator content that is being um, shared through Twitter, TikTok, and mm-hmm. YouTube, it makes sense. Well, so that's why that's why I started with the question, is this what platform is this talking about? Because if we're talking Instagram, then it makes sense for Instagram, right? But if we're talking Facebook, Facebook is is a content distribution platform. It is not a creator platform. So it and that pivot's gonna be extremely difficult for them to put that that genie back in the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um they're they're in a place in their maturity where they're no longer pushing the content creators. Um, I uh, so in in a prior life and I, I I was actually part of uh, the Facebook Level Up program after they got rid of um, so that that's a program specifically for streamers uh, uh, for Facebook Live um, a lot of gaming content and and, and what have you. Um, so a, a good amount of people that migrated from, oh shoot, my, Microsoft had it. it. I forgot the name of it. Uh, it was a streaming platform that Microsoft shut down in 2020. Um, and basically meta ended up snapping up all of those partners. Um, so they, they created a, a, a platform for it. Um, but again, uh, Facebook is not a creator platform. And so it it surprises me that they're pushing things out like this. Um, I I get what they're doing, but they don't like they're a content distribution platform. Uh, again, if they wanted to, if they if you told me this was for Instagram, I would feel different about it. But I think in theory, uh, subscriber only features that go on to the the chat. Um, and Facebook is collecting no money off of that, um, for like till 2024, I think is phenomenal, especially if you have that audience, right? Those who have the audience is going to be able to monetize on that. Um, but again, if you don't have a, already a following on Facebook, um, which is difficult enough as it is, um, I just, I, I don't see this being any type of news for you. So here's the question. Again, we talked about this Digital Marketing Institute. This was supposed to be a trend for 2022 with the metaverse. What say you? Do you think it the think metaverse is catching on? Do you think it's, you know, seven months into 2022 or is it not catching on as much as you thought it would? What What is yay or nay on the metaverse? And, uh, so uh, you can see it on, on Meta's financials, right? So Facebook's financials have been taking a major hit. Major. Well, there's hit. a couple there, reasons for that. They, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But a lot of the bleeding of the money, the bleeding of the money, right? We're we're not talking about the hit to the established like ad revenue and and things like that, and effectively what happened with Apple and uh, their privacy settings. I'm saying just in general, the biggest hit that Meta takes is off of the metaverse. And trying to build out the metaverse. Now, do I believe that the metaverse is going to be something huge? Yes. Yes, I do. I believe we're probably a decade out, however. Um, And the moment they continue to push NFTs and all of this Web 3.0 lingo and language, uh, the, the fact that they're still doing this and haven't understood that for them to bring this to mass market, they have to drop it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
until they realize that they need to drop that lingo, the metaverse is going to go nowhere. And it's going to be the same thing with NFTs. It's going to be the same thing with cryptocurrency. It's going to be the same thing across the board with all of these things. If you want massive user adoption on these things, you need to be able to educate the public. And if you're going to educate in plain English, and if you can't do that, and if it's still convoluted, it will never gain traction. And you will be then subject to the volatile ups and downs that we see currently in the NFT market and cryptocurrency market specifically. Right. Yep. So, okay. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, uh, one, one last thought on that. Like, a, if I can go to a store, right, let's say an Amazon store. So the first, the first people to do this are going to make it, right? Where I go to a store, I can purchase in cash, I can purchase in Ethereum, I can purchase in Bitcoin, right? However that might be, an NFT specifically, and when I make that purchase, I don't get charged for my purchase as in a gas fee, right? The first people to be able to crack that and make it look like a regular marketplace, those are the people winning. And right mm. now, I think Meta is too wrapped up in the jargon that is Web 3.0 for them to actually succeed. Mm. Okay. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Raul gave them the recipe for success <laughs> and he will be taking a commission on your success later. Yeah, give me a okay. pause, Zuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the number two thing, the number two trend um, that um, Digital Marketing Institute was predicting was the, the fact that, and this wasn't so much as a prediction, it was kind of a warning, is that Google-based expanded text ads were going to be going away. So um, it was reported that paid search marketing is going to be changing, and it did change as of July 1st, 2022. This 2022 trend has, in fact, gone into effect, and if you haven't noticed it, here are the results of the change. So for those of you who had done um, or using ETAs or extended text ads, and you set it and forget it, you really need to start paying attention to what it is that you're doing because you're going to have some problems moving forward. So right now... ETAs that are currently running will continue to serve and you will see reports on performance going forward. What has not been revealed is how long that will take place, right? How long they will maintain that, uh, that status. You can pause and resume your ETAs or even completely remove them. You will not be able to create or edit ETAs. And if you try to create an ETA, in ETA, there's an error message that will appear, which literally reads, cannot underscore create underscore depreciated underscore ads. That's the error message that you get. If you attempt to modify, it says cannot underscore modify underscore add. So if you get those errors, it's not because there's an error in what it is that you're doing. It's because those ETAs are no longer allowed. So what's going to be replacing ETAs? RSAs or responsive search ads. This change is based on Google's stance that machine learning can improve campaigns overall performance. So essentially what Google is saying is consumer priorities change and their needs are in a constant state of change. And the push to RSAs is that it gives those who advertise directly or through an agency a better way to adapt to changing market trends without all of the manual testing. And I don't know about you, but if, if, if Testing is an integral part of any ads campaign because you really do have to see kind of what is working and what isn't. But it it 
eliminates some of that need for manual testing, according to Google. This push gives Google's machine learning mechanisms more to work with as more novice advertisers enter the marketplace. So this is really geared toward those people who may not have as much education in Google advertising, but again, it's allowing them, it's allowing their machine learning to, to gain more information. So what this does is it allows Google to make recommendations related to performance and help streamline the account management experiences. RSAs allow variety in ad copy by prompting you to include up to 15 headlines and up to four descriptions. Google AI then takes those variables and combines them live during each search-based auction. Basically, those variables are going to rotate. They're going to rotate headlines and descriptions um, within the RSA, like you would shuffle a music playlist, you know, like yeah. for music. This rotation functions to put the best fit of your variables in front of each individual search's eyeballs based on their actual query, which I think is is the genius part of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so depending on what kind of search string they're using, uh, that's going to dictate what it is that they actually see based on the number of, based on the variables that you've put in. So the pros of this, there is an ability to pin up to three headlines and two descriptions. However, Google does not recommend it because it restricts the automatic variant testing that Google runs through your RSAs. One of the other pros is there's lots of variety in your ads, and then there's a better match to individual queries. The cons, you have a lack of control in your ad copy. It takes more time to create an RSA than it did an ETA, and Google suggestions are not necessarily on point. They provide assistance during the setup process for RSAs, and they're not always giving you the right the right set of variables or, or the variables that you're typing in don't necessarily match up with what it is that they're suggesting. We've all seen that happen with Google anyway. And each variable is not necessarily guaranteed to show up because it doesn't match a particular uh, searcher's query. So what are your thoughts? And do you think this 2022 trend will prove to be more advantageous to clients and the agencies that promote them, Roel? Um, what do you think? No. And, and so we we use we've been using RSAs for for yes, a good while have. within our agency. Um, it, there's an ease of use to the RSAs. There's still a lot that needs to be managed on on the back end. Um, yeah, it's not as hands free as Google would have you believe. No, but al along those lines, the ETAs gave the agencies more control. Um, so if, if this is just more kind of driving people into, hey, just trust our algorithm, right? Yeah. And yeah. there are many instances in which we even shied away from that or manipulated the RSAs in a way um, so that we can get all the results that we're looking for. Because one thing that I want... It, it, I, I always explain to our, to our clients and any, anybody that I'm talking to is that Google cares about Google's money. They don't really care about right. your money, right? right. So, so it, with them just saying, hey, trust me, we'll manage your money better. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure that, that, that that's a great business practice in general. Um, now, again, we've been using RSAs. They deliver. They do good work as long as you're paying attention to it. But I think the, the problem with this is that they're pushing this as if it's an accessibility update. 
um, for, look, anybody can do this. But there is still so much management that you need to do, especially with budgets on keywords, um, to optimize the delivery of your ads um, that isn't being looked into. So you'll have more small businesses coming together, putting together these RSAs with no background research, no understanding as to what the RSAs should be. So it's combining random crap together and not delivering good things. Um, and then they set that and then they just sit back and hope that they get money. Um, I, I think that this, again, in the short term, isn't going to be great for agencies. It's going to give people the illusion that um, they don't need an agency to, to be able to do these things. Um, there are specialized agencies out there who have been doing this for years within a niche. Um, that are probably using ETAs because they've been doing that. It's been delivering. They've refined it to a science. Um, and now they're going to have to use RSAs and it's going to blow up their whole business model. Um, and then uh, on top of that, uh, again, this is just another kind of slight way for Google to drain folks' wallets, at least the people who are not paying attention to what's being put out there. Well, and, and to your point, that I'm not saying that this is uh, this happens every time, but one of the things that we've noticed is that the search strings and the keyword strings and some of the things that Google recommends are in the higher Google price range, oh, yeah. right? So, like, if we, like, for a renovation company, um, construction, renovation, there's a lot of words that are way up there in the high end of, of the Google search um, hierarchy for keywords, and they cost the most to to um, to put out there and and to do for, for ads. Whereas if you can use find other words to use or other phrases to use, they end up not costing you as much. Google, in our experience, has always recommended those search strings, those headlines, those other things that are going to cost more. Yeah, um, they, it, for they're not working in your best interest. They're working no. in their best interest. And they absolutely you, you that is something and they're too big for with too much visibility for anybody to really like jump right now and and have mm -hmm. a proper outcry. Um ah, so ah. Ha -ha, you see what I did uh -huh. there? You see, see what, what you I did, did there? there? So and I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> with, with, with that being said, right? Um, we will we will talk about that in a minute. Um, and so, but that's that's it for our tips and tr that's it for the trends. Um, and we will be discussing trends a little bit, you know, during each podcast, just to kind of see what resonated in 2022 and what hasn't. Um, but these are the things that I I thought were kind of kind of interesting this time around. So number three on our agenda today is from TechCrunch. So SEO tool uh, Hrefs invest sixty million in building a creator-friendly search engine. Yep. yep. Yes, you heard me right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Y e p. <laughs> yep. So for those of you who aren't aware, um, Hrefs is a search engine toolkit company based in Singapore, and they specialize in SEO and are affiliated with some very large and well-known companies: Facebook, eBay, TripAdvisor, Netflix, Huffington Post, LinkedIn, Shopify. You name it. They've they've got a long, long list of customers. So HRS have been crawling and storing data about the web for 12 years, uh, and they've been providing its customers with core product and SEO, an SEO tool set. 
The search results are powered by its own crawler, which is called Ahrefs Bot, which Ahrefs claims visits more than 8 billion web pages every 24 hours. The new search engine is being promoted as available in all countries and in most languages. So this new search engine that they're developing, again, $60 million they're investing into this, will use Ahrefs own search index rather than relying on APIs from Google or Bing. So they're going to be standing completely aside from them and trying to gain market share on their own rather good than luck. basing anything on a Google or Bing API. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ahrefs claims that it will be giving 90% of its ad revenues to content creators. Yep's pitch is the following because they want creators. This is their pitch. Let's say that the biggest search engine in the world, and I'm quoting here, makes 100 billion a year. Now imagine if they gave 90 billion to content creators and publishers. The company paints a picture of the future it wants to live in. So for example, and again, quote, Wikipedia would probably earn a few billion dollars a year from its content alone, and they'd be able to stop asking for donations and start paying the people who polish their articles a decent salary, end quote. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, it's pretty Ahrefs big. Founder, it's, it's not, it's not going to move anywhere. And well, again, it, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. We'll maybe we'll be talking about this in another six months to see kind of where, where it went. So it, look, competition is always great in, in this space. Um, and frankly, any space. Um, but I mean, we see it with, with folks like DuckDuckGo, we see it with Firefox, we see it, um, uh, not Firefox, sorry, with Bing. Um, and Bing is, Bing, it's it's Microsoft's platform. It's not like it's a baby <laughs> company, right? Uh, Google is just a dominant force. Uh, at this point, it's no longer search, it's Googling. And when you mm -hmm. get to that point to rip that out from the incumbent, is incredibly difficult. Um, well, and, and I don't know how they're going to scale this. Like, how are they going? Like, this just doesn't... Like, how are you going to pay everybody? What, like, everybody's got websites. So are you saying that I, like, I'm going to have um, that a... What, what is it? Hrefs? Um, is going to pay me, is going to pay me because I have a website on, on, on the thing if there's well, traffic and I run so enough ads through there. Like that doesn't make, like, I don't know how they, how, like, how are they going to do this? So Ahrefs founder and CEO, hopefully I'm saying this right. Dimitro Garasmenko says that creators who make search results possible deserve to receive payments for their work. We saw how YouTube's profit sharing model made the whole video making industry thrive, splitting advertisers profits 90-10 with content authors. We want to give a push toward treating talent fairly in the search industry. But, okay. And he so, continues to make the point that his search engine is meant to be privacy forward. Like yeah. you, you mentioned DuckDuckGo, kind of along those models. Well, well, I mean, again, the web is huge. The yes, web is. is huge. So uh, with existing players, so they would have to start giving money to websites that exist today that get enough traffic through their search. Um, and if they're privacy forward, how are they going to tie, how are they going to monetize on this? How are they even going to get the money to pay for people to, well, to do that? So, so here's another statement I'm going to give you that they, that they are quoting. Um, and this is when it's going to completely blow your mind. So, we do save certain data on searches, but never in a personally identifiable way. Now, keep this in with advertising in mind. 
For example, we will track how many times a word is searched for and the position of the link getting the most clicks, but we won't create your profile for targeted advertising. Then it's not a creator discovery tool and it's not creator it's, first it's, and it's not creator forward because all it's doing is pushing the people who have the highest volume to the front, which is not creator focused. Um, so I, I think the, the strategy here is flawed. Um, for, for the, for this specific search engine. And I feel very passionately about it clearly. <laughs> okay. So, but along those lines, HRS is ready and it claims to have more than a thousand servers storing more than a hundred petabytes of data and has a goal of hundreds of thousands of high-end servers running under full load 24 seven in the near future. So well, new search nothing. engine in the block. Yeah, your name. <laughs> you know, I think I think you already got my name on that. But um, but look, I look, I'm not down on on Ahrefs. Uh, first and foremost, they're a great tool. We use them for our for our SEO yeah, um, here internally. Um, but attempting to tackle this juggernaut is going to be a, a huge feat. Not not saying that it can't be done because it can. Um, you just need to go in with a sound strategy. And all of this sounds great on paper until you put it on under a microscope. Um, I, not to mention it's Singa- Singapore-based. Um, mm. you know, so and we're already having problems with TikTok for that reason. Speaking of which... <laughs> Do you want to go ahead with that one? Yeah, so uh, um, speaking of which, let's go over to speaking about TikTok. So social media today um, reports that TikTok is defending itself against all avenues right now. Guys, uh, again, this is not this is not new news, right? This is a a Chinese based company that has ties to uh, the the Chinese government. Um, even though they swear up and down, it's only a one percent stake. Not oh, whoop, nope. Click on that. It's a one percent stake <laughs> in a different ByteDance subsidiary. Um, no. let's be honest. No. And even if it was the case, the Chinese government has so much control over the businesses in China. Um, the, that this is not really an argument, right? Um, guys, TikTok can go away tomorrow. If, if TikTok is your only, um, platform in your platform strategy or your, your, your channel strategy, um, you need to be diversifying. If you're not diversifying your channel strategy right now off of TikTok, you are running a major risk of tomorrow no longer having your distribution channel, um, no longer having your revenue stream. If that's if you're a content creator and you're on that platform, uh, you run major risks. This could go away tomorrow. Okay, so you really should be diversifying um, what your channel strategy is. So speaking of TikTok, um, they're adding a rating system to prevent children from seeing mature content. Um, They're essentially forming something called For You pages, which will be for users under 18. And um, all in all, their community guidelines won't change, but what's going to change is how it shows content to certain audiences. So they're gonna put these policies in place um, and fictional scenes deemed too frightening or intense for younger audiences, for example, will not appear on the For You pages for users under 18. 
Um, they're doing this because TikTok has been criticized in the past for exposing children to inappropriate content. Um, and part of it became came about because the European Consumer Organization filed a complaint against the company, alleging that TikTok failed to protect underage users from hidden advertising and potentially harmful videos. So TikTok is trying to uh, trying to right the boat there, and is trying to implement some um, some let's just say guidelines and some guardrails for children under 18. Um, it's unclear how TikTok is going to verify whether or not somebody is 18 or above or 18 or below. No, they're going to ask T for their ID. Well, t well, and provided somebody has an ID at 18, you have high school students that maybe don't drive, they don't have ID. You don't get you an 18-year-old TikTok account. Uh, so, <laughs> it, yeah, so it, it does state here that TikTok users only have to provide a photo ID. No. <laughs> well, no, it, what it says here... What it says here is that TikTok users must be at least 13 to use the full version of the app. And according to its terms of service, users in the U.S. under 12 years old are placed into the TikTok for younger users experience, which allows for parental controls and limited interactions with other users. Um, yeah, TikTok users only have to provide a photo ID when requesting the change to, to, to change their age on an existing account. Uh, so, 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 Kelly, like... Good luck with that. This is so, like... Yeah, I'm going to give a social media account, Your one, one tied to the Chinese government, Your my ID. federal ID. Yeah, no, nope, no, thank you. No, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. Now, granted, I, I, I mean, obviously the, the change is good, right? I, I find it funny that platforms start without like thinking about this type of stuff ahead of time. Um, but uh, the change is, is good. The, they are going to be identifying this stuff, uh, algorithmically, um, which is meh, but uh, still e either way, it's imperfect, but they'll, they'll, can you, they'll say, can you say that again? Which is what? Meh. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's an imperfect, uh, science, but at, at the very least they're doing something about it. Um, but providing a photo ID to a social media platform, I don't, I don't care if it's, uh, if it's Facebook, Instagram or, or whatever. Now I recognize that you have to do that if you're going to be an advertiser and you want a verified advertiser account. Um, but as That's a different. user, but as a user, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. It's just like, you know, I, matter of fact, I was having a conversation with somebody um, at the Raleigh chamber this morning when I went to the networking event, we were talking about job searches and there are job applications that you fill out now that are requiring your driver's license number and your social security number as you fill out the application. And my stance on that is not only no, but hell no. Hell no. Um, if you want to interview me and you want to consider me for the job and you need a background check, I'll be happy to provide that information. But until then, I don't know who has access to it and I don't know what you're doing with it. And I don't know anything about your company. No, so and, and in TikTok's case, we know that who gets access. on the application. But yeah. like you said, TikTok, mm -mm. Mm -mm. nope. Nope, that's, nope, nope. That's a hell no. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So last yeah, so let, let's move off of the news and go into our marketing fails. What what What's the name of the segment, Kelly? I can't believe I saw that. I can't <laughs> believe I saw that. There'll be, there'll be a, a soundbite somewhere in there. Um, yeah. 
So um, Oculus will no longer be requesting Facebook accounts. Now, this is actually uh, to uh, to use the requiring quest. Facebook. Yeah, accounts, they're not, not they're not requiring. requiring. Yeah, they're not requiring Facebook accounts anymore um, to go into the to to have a quest, um, <laughs> which is great. Uh, I'm mumbling my words here for a second, um, which is great. This is actually good news in, in a positive direction. The marketing fail came before this. <laughs> And, but you and have to have a meta account. Where you have to have a Facebook account um, to have an Oculus Quest 2. Now, that's true and not true, right? Uh, you could have an Oculus account. Um, they were phasing it um, so that um, if you didn't have it by the end of the year, um, they would force you into a Facebook account. They would merge those. But it, it's terrible to, to tie um, your social media um, account and make that mandatory um, for a, a, a device that has nothing to do with your social media, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's just additional data points that they could gather, major security risk. And then on top of that, people getting banned on Facebook for their political views or what have you, um, and then unable to exercise playing Beat Saber the next day <laughs> um, so, is but problematic. But here's my question for you. Here's my question for you. So how is it different that they're not no longer going to be requiring a Facebook account, but instead they're going to be requiring a meta account? So it te- what's the difference? So technically there, there is and there isn't, right? It, it's If you think about the structure of like databases, it's on like the parent, right? It, it's, it's up top. You could, in theory, associate the two. Um, if you associate the two. So as it stands right now, you do not need to associate your meta account with your Facebook account. Um, and so since you don't need to associate your meta account with your Facebook account, those things won't jump and they, they won't cross over. Now there will be a future. I, we all know this, right? Where, <laughs> where they will demand that your meta account will be associated with your Facebook account or vice versa, right? One of the two. Um, and they're still collecting data points regardless because it's the same they, parent company. They are collecting the data points, but at least it's not associated right now to my Facebook ID, if that's the case. Also, as I mentioned before, if I get banned on Facebook because I, I feel some kind of way about the current administration or whatever have you, I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to take a political stance, but, um, then if I get flagged on Facebook, I can no longer play any of my meta games, right? I, I can't I can't use my Oculus VR because I am now banned from Facebook. And that did kind of cross over and we had um, there have been reports of that actually occurring. Um, so that's another thing. Privacy aside, I mean, this is something with cameras and mics on it that's sitting in your living room. Um, so like there and let's be honest facebook uh, they don't have a great track record of taking care of your data um so uh, the privacy concerns were definitely merited um when meta did this uh when the oculus quest 2 came out there was a huge outcry didn't stop me from buying it because it's a great device but um at the same time it was definitely a marketing and branding um, misstep. This is some, this is meta not understanding Facebook and the perception that people have of Facebook, um, and just kind of strong arming their, their way into this. And it, again, 
Um, the fact that they're correcting it now, correcting it and making the dog ears. Because they are um, listening. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> My TV it, was listening to us last night. So, yeah, they're yeah. listening. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, we all feel that way, right? We all feel like our phones are listening to the things that we're saying. Um so whether or not they are, um, I'm not going to put on my tinfoil hats. Um, I'm going to say they're not, but um, there have been some very eerie instances, right, that, that have occurred. Um, but not notwithstanding, I mean, it, when they forced that onto the Oculus Quest, it was a failure to understand their own branding as Facebook um, and pushing that onto the headset um, was a major issue uh, that probably kept the Oculus Quest 2 from being even more mainstream than it already is. I mean, the Oculus Quest 2 is the first, I would consider the first proper mainstream VR headset. Um, so hopefully this move um, increases adoption of those headsets, um, but uh, only time will tell, right? Yes. Only time Agreed. will tell. So, um, Kelly, what are your, what are your final thoughts? Normally, again, we would have a segment here where we ask the, we answer some of the audience's questions. Um, this is the second podcast, so we don't have very many people asking us questions yet, but, uh, but I do want to do a shout out to those who liked our podcast, who shared our podcast. Um, it's evidently got a pretty big following here in Raleigh. <laughs> so, um, I want to thank all of those who have, uh, who have watched and who have shared and who have liked it. Thank yeah, you so much. Absolutely. Love all of the supporters out there and friends, families, um, new folks coming in, listening to us for the first time. Uh, hopefully not immediately shutting us off. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to put out the, the news and, and help you be on the, the front edge of what's kind of coming, uh, coming down the pike with all the digital marketing stuff, uh, coming down. Cause it's uh, uh, like these changes, they come quick and fast, Right. So um, this only helps us be at the top of our game for our agency. Um, but it also helps. Um, it also helps all of you guys, hopefully, um, in determining please, what your strategies are. If you see marketing fails, um, please send us stuff for our I can't believe I saw that segment. Absolutely. Because we love that. We absolutely we absolutely would love to share and we will even make note of who you are and, and, and give you a shout out in the podcast. Yeah. So, and so put it in the comments, uh, of the video on whatever platform you're seeing, listening or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I, what's, what's good, uh, closing thoughts is that we are now on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple, Google, um, effectively any platform you want to listen to this podcast or watch the podcast, um, if you're looking at YouTube, uh, you'll be able to do so. So again, we are everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, so thank you guys. Thank you for your, for your support. We're going to continue going through this and, uh, thank you guys for tuning in today and we will catch you guys in the next one.